When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after 5 o'clock on another interesting start to a Wednesday morning around Wisconsin. Farm Director Pam Yonke, glad to be along with you. Here it is, the sixth day of November, and some of us are going to end up with between three and four inches of snow by the time it's all said and done. And the surprise doesn't stop there. Uh, we've got team coverage for you this morning, folks. So proud of Josh and Reba, Caitlin, covering the story that happened yesterday at the state capitol. Wisconsin's Ag Secretary-designee Brad Path does not receive the support that they were hoping for. Talking more about that as the hour unfolds. Let's start with this weather forecast. So like I said, for today, we've got a winter weather advisory in effect basically through the morning commute. Uh, the central portion of our listing area from La Crosse to Fond du Lac, down to Watertown, Lone Rock, you're expecting the heaviest amount of snow, three to four inches possible by the time this is all said and done. Points farther south, one to two inches of snow. But let's just face it, it's going to make the morning commute a little bit of a challenge. For Thursday and Friday, we'll see unseasonably cold temperatures. Uh, that is going to mean that we're probably no better than the upper 20s by the time we get to tomorrow. Today, we'll stay in the lower 30s. I'll let Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, kind of weave the story for us in about 15 minutes. And like I said, the lead story today, Wisconsin's Ag Secretary-designee Brad Paff gets shot down yesterday by a partisan vote at the state capitol. We've got team coverage on all that and Wisconsin agriculture and more before 6. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Alexa, play WAXX radio. I always wanted to do that on the radio just to see whether somebody's Alexa would play. <laughs> this is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And it's fun, and we talk about it, and we have all of these neat little conveniences around our homes and offices and farms and in our pockets. We're a technological world, and some folks out there in the countryside are a little more technologically advanced than others, granted, where the Internet is concerned. But, Reba, you know, there are some issues to be dealt with. Yeah, Scott, this is Reba at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And you bring up a great point about how the Internet and all these new technologies can kind of be this double edged sword. Many farms in Wisconsin can't even get high speed Internet connections. But for those that have them, there can be some real dangers in using it. Pam's got an update for us on what farms need to think about when it comes to protecting their valuable data and information. You know, the statistics are alarming. According to a University of Maryland study, there is a hacker attack every 39 seconds, and 43% of cyber attacks target small businesses. And that may include your farming operation. Today, beginning at noon, professional dairy producers of Wisconsin's hosting a world-class webinar 
focused in on cybersecurity on the farm. Jeremy Cherney is the president of Tobin Solutions out of Waukesha, and he explains why farms have to think about cybersecurity today. Dairy farms, like any business, you know, it's you completely have lots of areas that you're going to be vulnerable with. So, and when we talk about security, we really focus on three key areas, broadly speaking. One is the confidentiality of your information. So there's any data or information that you have on the farm that you don't want someone else to get at, that would be a breach of confidentiality. So that could be any kind of back office accounting type functions. It could be data about your production, how that's going. It could be herd information, anything that you want to be just in the farm and just with the people in the farm and not anything else. That would be a confidentiality breach. So um, that's one area. The other piece would be integrity of data, right? So if you're using some of these systems to collect data about milk production or how, how the business is going and you don't want that data to change in any way, uh, you want to know that that data remains stable and it's exactly what you expect. And sometimes one of the things that can happen is someone's going to go in and try and change that information. That's on the producing side. And then you also want to think about kind of what we call the back office. So presuming you're working with banks and other people and money flowing back and forth, account numbers, wiring money, transferring money, that none of that information gets changed where that money's going to go to. And then the last piece is availability. And people don't always think about availability when it comes to security. But if you've got computing systems that you're using in the data collection, in running any machinery or in the back office, and that's unavailable for some reason, like you have a power outage, an internet outage, or you're subject to ransomware or some other kind of attack, that also is something we consider a security event. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we think about the threat. I don't know that we can wrap our arms around the cost, Jeremy. When you've witnessed data breaches, uh, obviously maybe not so much connected to farms, but data breaches in general, give us a sense on what kind of expense you need to prepare for. That, um, that's a great question. It really depends on what the event is. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of our customers got hit with ransomware, and so that's where someone installed some malicious software on their computer, and it encrypted all of their data such that our, our customer couldn't access the information and basically held it ransom. And the people that perpetrated this crime requested to Bitcoin, which is a something called a cryptocurrency, which some people may not be familiar with, but it's an alternative kind of currency that can be converted to cash. The equivalent of the two Bitcoin at the time they requested the ransom was about $14,000. So, and in this case, because of the nature of the breach, they were forced to roll the dice and pay the ransom and hope that they were going to get their data back, which in this case they did. So there was the ransom piece, so that $14,000. But because of the nature of the compromise, and we're only talking about maybe 15 computers, we had to reload everything. We had to work with the, the, the hackers to um, get the data back. We had to reload computers, reload all the software. They were down for close to two weeks, and the total bill between us and the ransom was about $40,000. Uh, $40, that is amazing. And like you said, that's one 
one example. How do you ask uh, farmers to evaluate their systems, Jeremy? I mean, so many of us are probably using software and computers that you'd probably giggle at, but uh, because so many farms just don't even have access to the Internet, so we're just kind of getting on this train. How do we have to evaluate the systems we've got now or perhaps plan on building safer systems for the future? You know, one of the nice things that... um we talk about, and this is a nice example of government tax dollars at work, is something called the NIST, which is N-I-S-T, Cybersecurity Framework. And that applies to any organization that's interested in cybersecurity. And there's really five key components of that. And the first component is identifying what your assets are, identifying what your risk is, identifying are you subject to any compliance, any regulations, any uh, any terms and conditions of your insurance policy, anything like that, we go through that and we call that a, a, an IT audit, and we go through and look at all of those different assets, and then we start to assess where is the risk. So if there's something that's not you know connected and if they don't have internet access for something, the risk is going to be lower. Um, if it's something that is connected, you know they're doing email, they've got their accounting system, maybe they're using a, a farm management system or something like that. We want to get a list of all that, and then we start to evaluate system by system what's their vulnerability to anything that's going to be a breach of confidentiality, integrity, or availability. So that's the first piece. And then there's a conversation with, with, with the, the farmer, you know, the, the owner. It really depends on what their policies are. We have some clients that they say if their computers are down for a week, they can live without it, not a problem. We have some that if they're down for an hour, it's a big problem. You know, they know what they bill per hour. They have some idea of what it costs to, to run their operation per hour. They have some idea of what their revenue per hour is that they try and generate. And then they can start to say, okay, if let's say we make $1,000 an hour and we're down for five hours, that's $5,000. That's what we want to start to factor and build our cybersecurity systems around. You know, the other thing that's crossing my mind, Jeremy, in, in production agriculture, we're used to uh, witnessing some loss. You know, we have a barn fire or something like that. We, we will lose some things. What about backups? What about making sure that uh, some of those breeding records that I've got or some of the employee records or, any, you know, taxes or anything like that, how do you suggest that farms evaluate safeguarding the information they've already gathered and making sure it's backed up? So the, the second piece of that NIST cybersecurity framework is the protection. So that's where backup would come in. And what we would do is we would talk to the farmer and say, hey, here's your data. Here's what we're seeing. Is it backed up or not? That's kind of the first question. Um, if it is, great. Then how is that backup looking? Is it backed up just to like a, a, a little plug-in flash drive and you keep that next to the computer? Okay, that's backup and that's good, but if you have the fire next to the computer, it's all going to be gone. So you want to look at, and look at the, um, how good the backup solution is. Is it going to protect from all the different types of disasters? But also, we always go back to the policy. One of the key factors you want to, uh, we want people to consider is something we call their RTO, which is their recovery, recovery time objective, and their RPO, their recovery point objective. What that means in, in layman's terms is, the recovery time objective is how quickly you need your systems back up and running. And the recovery point objective is how far back we can go with the information. So depending on what they say they need, we have some clients, they say, you know what, we need a week's worth of data. 
if we lose anything beyond that, not a big deal. We have some that need to go back for years, so we have to make sure that their backup system is going to have data all the way back from, from seven or ten years ago. So again, part of that conversation, we, you know, we can guide people through that conversation. It's not super technical. It's really more of a business decision. Um, we can give guidance and, and help research things, but ultimately it's, it's up to the, the customer to decide. And now what about the, the people that are in my circle of cybersecurity, Jeremy? You know, today's farms have, uh, can have quite a slug of responsible employees that have to take charge of different facets of the operation. You know, you talk about emails and you talk about access to these accounts, things like that. What do I have to ask myself as far as the circle of secure employees and partners in that cyber circle? Um, so there's a couple different things we talk about. Um, first of all, again, go back to policies. So who are these people? What are their roles? And what information do they need access to? Right. So if someone's more on the operations side, maybe they need access to the operations data. If someone's more on the payroll side, then they would need access to the payroll information, but the two may not need access to both. So you start to do, we look at what we call scoping out the data, who needs access to what. Uh, the other piece we want to make sure people are doing is cybersecurity awareness training. So people are out there doing their jobs, working hard, and cybersecurity is not always top of mind. So we want to make sure that people understand what the threats are, so people that are attending the webinar that we're doing uh, is great. They're going to get information there. We'd like them to get all that information to the, the rest of their employees as well so that everyone is aware that this is an issue and it's an area of, of concern. Well, that webinar is indeed going to be worth your time. It is up on Wednesday, November 6th, via Professional Dairy Producers of Wisconsin. Jeremy Cherney has been sharing some of the insights that he is uh, going to be sharing again on that webinar. Founder and president of Tobin Solutions out of Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, again making the connection between cybersecurity and your dairy operation. Find out more online, pdpw.org, for that special cybersecurity webinar Wednesday, November 6th, beginning at noon. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Let's do it again, Madison. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yonke here for my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. You know, voting is on right now for Madison Magazine's annual Best of Madison Voting. Last year, my buddies at Zimbrick were voted Best of Madison in all three automotive categories, Auto Dealer, Auto Repair, and Body Shop. Now, this year, there are eight categories, and Zimbrick's been nominated in all of them. Whether it's about a new used car, auto detailing, any auto bottle repair, or auto parts, my buddies at Zimbrick never disappoint. And I hope that you'll take time to jump online and vote for them again. MadisonMagazine.com backslash B-O-M and then vote Zimbrick in all eight of those categories. If you haven't had a chance to find out why Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street Sun Prairie is best of Madison, check them out today. And by the way, tell them the fabulous Farm Babe sent you. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Wisconsin. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, 
accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result? It transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. High school sports. There's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association and the Wisconsin Athletic Directors Association. If Old McDonald was real and actually had a farm, she'd talk about it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Alrighty, 521 on the clock and time to find out what we've got coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. And buddy, here we go again. Sixth day of November, but judging by what I see outside this morning, might as well be December. Look at it any way you want, Pam, but yes, it is on the cooler side. We have that snow around. The winter weather advisory in effect until noon today. Lacrosse, Most, and Madison until 3 this afternoon at Fond du Lac. Oshkosh proper, not under the winter weather advisory. But low pressure is going to pass just off to the south of the state and we'll be seeing more snow. It accumulates here during the day. I think we have to talk about a 1 to 3 inch accumulation anywhere from Madison to north. The heaviest Boston up into central Wisconsin could be up to 4. There may even be just a little light rain mixing in as we look on toward midday or in the afternoon further south. But it all will taper off and end. Skies even start to clear yet later tonight. And then sun and colder. There's your winter feel as we talk of daytime highs only in the upper 20s or maybe near 30 come Friday. That's still in the range of about 18 degrees colder than normal. That's not what we expect in November by any means. At least we do dry it out Thursday, Friday into Saturday. Later this weekend, a little light snow may edge in. I'll have forecast details right after this. When you're in for improving your energy efficiency, Wisconsin is in for growing your farm's energy savings. Focus on energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the tools to grow their farm's energy efficiency and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today. Call 888-947-7828 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. Interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company? Rural Mutual Insurance is offering a $2,000 signing bonus to new agents hired before December 2nd. That's right, a great career with a great Wisconsin company plus a $2,000 signing bonus if you're hired before December 2nd. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash career. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Today's the day of the winter weather advisory in effect until noon, 3 p.m. at Fond du Lac. Cloudy skies, snow, could be a little rain mixing in midday, ending already in the west late today, mid and upper 30s, southeast winds becoming north at 5 to 10. Still some chance of snow south and east tonight, mostly cloudy, then clearing late, down to around 20 north winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny on Thursday, upper 20s, north winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny on Friday, closer to 30, 
West winds at 5, becoming variable later on. So an inch or two of snow in the south, 1 to 3 or better, Lacrosse, Mauston, toward Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. And then, of course, that cold air pan, that's going to be the one that really is going to ring. I mean, we're talking upper 20s for a couple of days and only a warm-up just into the 30s for the weekend. And at that time, then another possibility of a little snow later Saturday night into Sunday could linger toward Monday. Don't expect it to amount to much, but the chance is going to be there. So grab the long johns, get ready. We're going to have that wintry weather you've been experiencing or at least thinking about, Pam. It really will be settling in here for the end of the week. All right, Stu, good enough. We'll catch up with you tomorrow and find out how much snow we get out of this system. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist with Weather Details. After 5.30, it's going to be the story that a lot of Wisconsin agriculture is talking about for a while. Wisconsin's Ag Secretary-designee Brad Paff does not receive support down at the state capitol. Team coverage on all elements relative to that coming up after 5.30. It's 5.25. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Are you ready to power your appliances and heat your home with clean, efficient FS propane? Work with Insight FS, a company that lives and works in the same community you do. They'll check your system to help make sure it's safe and efficient. Call them about their convenient contracting or budget billing programs. When it comes to the safety and comfort of your family, you can trust Insight FS. Visit InsightFS.com to schedule an appointment today. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Bring on more acres with the all-new Lexian 8000 and 7000 series combines at Ziegler Ag Equipment. These machines were built to cut through acres with an expanded capacity system for 10% more throughput and the industry's largest grain tank with faster unloading speeds. And optimize your cutting and feeding performance with the right header for the job, like the new Convio Flex Draper from Kloss, offering more visibility, more simplicity, and more efficiency. Ask your Ziegler sales rep for more information because you can't put more hours in the day, but you can put in more acres. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, 
you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling the shine and diamonds but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days they may have that traditional feel that traditional customer service but they also have the new modern looks of today stop in and take a look at their jewelry case talk to the staff find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create go online goodmansjewelers.com mm, need to get some rest this is the worst headache ever. Mm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on the last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Signs like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. All right, Zach, we'll just, we just won't you know beat around the bush. Let's go right no. at it. Uh, over, under, uh, we're just going to use last year's win total because why not? That's what we've got to, 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 to measure it from. They won 23 games last year, did Badger basketball. Uh, for entertainment purposes only, yep. would the Zach Halpern take the over, under 23 wins for the 2019-2020 Badgers? Yeah, I would take the under with uh, with ease. Yeah, I don't I don't see twenty three wins from this from these guys with ease. Do tell Zach. No, with ease. I'm just saying, there's so much unknown. I mean, obviously, you lose an All American, and it can happen. I know a lot of people. But when you you have a guy that's played that long, you kind of you see all of his faults, but you don't realize all the other great things that he does. And as good of a defender as he was, and a great passer, and uh, you know, the all-time leading rebounder in school history. Like, he did so much more than just shoot free throws, right? So um, that is going to be very, very difficult to overcome. You also lose your best on-ball defender in Khalil Iverson. And so there's a lot to there's a lot there. I mean, I think there's talent there. It's just 23 wins is a lot. Now, um, Zach, let me ask you, guys. do you think the offense opens up without Ethan Happ on there? Like, they're able to spread the ball around more and not rely on a guy just banging down low? It's certainly going to be different, but it was also, yeah, when you weren't shooting well outside, you probably had an opportunity to go in and get some baskets with ease, right? Because you were able to throw it in and let Ethan have go to work. Uh, it led to a lot of standing around at times, but it also kind of, if, if you couldn't figure anything else out, you could at least put it down to him and he would figure a way to get up on the rim. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's going to be a different offensive look, but even the, you know, the 23 wins, if I, I maybe 
willing to go and say, yeah, they'll, they'll put the over if Micah Potter was going to be there for the first 10 games, but he's not. And you know, not having him down low as a defender is going to be significant. So um, the offense will look more spread out and, and more wide open, and I think it'll allow for a few more driving lanes, especially with the extended three-point line that people are going to have to uh, uh, come out and check your guys a little bit further away from the basket. But that's, uh, that's a lot of wins, 23. Uh, visiting with our sports director, Zach Halpern, and I, I'm with you, Zach. I think I, I, I'm, I'm having a tough time justifying, you know, going over 23 because that's putting, you know, 14, 15 conference wins. That being said, you look at the non-conference, which is, is pretty manageable after tonight. You know, you got a stretch of games where I think they can reel off five, six in a row. How important then does that make tonight that if you can get a, a win against a ranked team, kind of jumpstart some momentum where you go, you don't leave Madison until the end of the month, four straight home games. How big a deal is this tonight to maybe if they could get this win, get five, six wins in a row to start the season? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if they win tonight, I think it would change a lot of people's perception, of, perhaps even mine, of what they could do here in the non-conference without Micah Potter. But again, St. Mary's returns four starters off a NCAA tournament team. They they get a transfer. One of the guy that they wanted to transfer in and Ugh. get uh, eligible immediately <laughs> is eligible immediately, despite playing the entire season last year for Cincinnati. Um, they have some big bodies down low. They've got a 7-3 guy that we're going to see. So, I mean, they this is going to be a tough matchup for Wisconsin. There's a reason St. Mary's is, is ranked and the reason they're favored in this one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it could certainly change if Wisconsin figures out a way to, to get this game. It's just it's asking a lot, I think. And, um, you know, maybe we'll learn. Well, we can learn a lot about Wisconsin tonight. Uh, probably one way or the other. So I'm a. I got big expectations for Nate Reavers coming into this year. Reavers. When it comes, when it compares to like you know Frank Kaminsky is freshman and sophomore year, uh, you know kind of quiet. Then he really came on junior and senior year. I think Reavers is ahead of Kaminsky now coming into his junior year. Is what's the step that's needed by Nate Reavers to make the Wisconsin Badgers go? I think it's about putting the ball on the floor and being able to get to the basket. I think that's what Nate three so difficult to deal with especially his junior and senior year because yeah you had to come out and he could shoot it and they can shoot it and they, they've got the ability to hit from outside it, you know maybe not at frank's level but he can still do it but what made frank different was the ability to put it on the floor and get to the basket when people would come charging at him at the three-point line and i'm not we'll see if Nate has it. it i haven't seen it at least the first two games um he did have a, a really ridiculous uh step back three against um uw cross the other night it was. It kind of felt like it was a little bit in slow motion, but um, you know we'll see. That's asking a lot, Frank. It was the, the jump that Frank made from his sophomore to junior year is the biggest I think anybody's ever had in Wisconsin program history. And so thinking that that's going to be the same, or even you know even if you say he's ahead of where Frank was, to say that he's going to be able to be that guy, I think is asking a little bit much. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but there, I, I also agree with Ebo that you, you do get excited when you see the similarities. Uh, talk with our sports director Zach Halpern. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 5.35 this morning. If you're headed out early, definitely exercise caution and give yourself a little extra time on Wisconsin roadways, especially from about La Crosse to Fond du Lac. That's where the heaviest snow has fallen. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Well, on this date back in 1947, Meet the Press debuted on television. It is considered the longest-running TV news show. It was first hosted by journalist and creator Martha Roundtree and aired on NBC. And Meet the Press is still around today. And now you know. 
Well, I'll tell you what. We had more historical makings yesterday down at the state capitol. For as long as anybody can remember, the Wisconsin Agriculture Secretary's confirmation at the State House has gone very, very smoothly. That stopped yesterday. Our own Caitlin Riley joining us from our lacrosse office with an update on why Wisconsin Ag Secretary designee Brad Paff had a very long day down at the State House and ultimately did not receive his confirmation. Caitlin? Well, Pam, all of Wisconsin agriculture was watching the discussion yesterday, which quickly became heated on the Wisconsin State Senate floor. You're voting against somebody who's qualified. You're voting against somebody who has ability. You're voting against somebody who's passionate. And you're voting against somebody who the farmers support. That's just stupid. That's Democratic Senator John Erpenbach of West Point. Senator Jennifer Schilling of La Crosse was the first to stand up for PATH, a La Crosse County native, and testify to his character. He is that eternal optimist and can walk the walk and talk the talk with Wisconsin's dairy farmers. Be consistent in your support of Secretary-designee Brad Paff because he is a good man. He is a man of tremendous work ethic and character and integrity. And what you are doing is unfair and it's wrong. And it's what chips away at the civility of this body. Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald says he's had concerns about PATH, including his ability to deal with the dairy crisis. When it came to Brad Pfaff, I told the governor, I said, I don't think there's enough support there for him. And it's because of a number of missteps that have happened actually going back to February. And we started to roll through the individual issues that existed around Pfaff and the issues that are in and around agriculture. And whether it's comments related to DATCAP, ATCP 51, comments about Republicans and farmer suicide, Certainly going back to some earlier changes made under DATCAP, there's a whole slew of things, I think, that anybody could bring forth, but you got to be comfortable. And I think as we stand here today, there's a number of members of the majority that just aren't comfortable with Brad Pfaff. And that's all it really takes for people to say, I don't support this nominee. Green Bay Senator Dave Hansen says this is nothing more than an attack on Governor Tony Evers. I have yet to see any evidence... Though the senator from 13th is trying to throw some novel ideas out there, that he is not up to the task. We all know why we are here. This is just more in continuing attempt by the other side of the aisle to attack Governor Evers and try to score political points with your base. But if you go through with voting down this appointment for nothing more than spite and partisan politics, all of you are going to have to answer for why at this crucial time, when so many farmers and farms are struggling just to stay afloat, you chose to add more chaos to the situation and uncertainty to an already crisis situation. Everything we know about Secretary-designated Pfaff is that he is a smart, very caring, and dedicated public servant who has developed very close and strong relationships with the people he has been tasked to help. This is near unanimous support among the various groups that have been mentioned in agriculture and in the dairy industry supporting his appointment. So it's a crime today that we're discussing this even. And everything we know about what's happening in the dairy industry and agriculture at large is not very good news. Our dairy industry is in crisis. We are losing family farms in terrifying numbers every day, something that started well before Secretary Paff designee took office. Our farms have run into extremely poor weather, very tough when you see all the corn still out there, not being able to harvest because it is still too wet to get into those fields. They're getting battered on the trade front. I wonder whose fault that is. So why are we having this debate? 
You may recall in July, PATH clashed with the Budget Committee for not authorizing funding for farmer mental health programs. PATH accused Republicans of abandoning farmers. Urbanbach says Republicans are also retaliating for those comments. We sat on funding because, Secretary, because Speaker Voss said sit on the funding because I've got a task force to deal with suicide. And so we have a Secretary of Agriculture choosing not to be quiet on an issue that is near and dear to him and near and dear to everybody in the ag community. Maybe you didn't like the words he chose. So what? With a vote of 14 to 19, PATH's confirmation failed. PATH did release a statement saying it's been a privilege to serve the people of Wisconsin, and he was honored to travel the state to speak with farmers and be their voice. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Caitlin Riley. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. So whether you're just starting out or on your way to building a legacy, we're here for you and wishing you a safe and bountiful harvest. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Kind of like a slap in the face, the way that Mother Nature has decided to change on us. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here for my buddies at McFarland's right there in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street, where everything is under one roof. And I'll tell you what, if you got surprised by how quickly the elements changed, hey, McFarland's has your back. So drop on by if you're looking for those winter tires you're going to depend on through these long winter months. Or maybe it's a project you wanted to finish up on the house. Maybe it's something about windows or doors or making sure your house is ready for the winter. They've got it all under one roof. Or maybe it's something out in the tool shed. Maybe you need to winterize that lawnmower or maybe get it ready for spring next year. Or maybe it's a tune-up on that snowblower. Maybe the chainsaw needs attention. Hey, Whatever it is, McFarland's has you covered all under one roof. Don't believe me? Stop by for yourself. 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. All right. As we look at the markets in overnight electronic trade, things seem to be holding firm. Dow Jones Industrial Average had a big day yesterday. Farmers are trying to remain optimistic about their business outlook and China. Remember, we're looking at phase one of a trade deal, and that might mean more U.S. soybeans are bound for China. But you also have to remember there are other trade partners that have been filling those gaps while our trade negotiations were being worked through. Ag economist Todd Hubbs from the University of Illinois says it's important to remember that just like when China mostly exited the market for U.S. soybeans, other countries stepped in as buyers. Some countries are probably going to back out if China becomes another player for U.S. soybeans. You could see some strong price action from a trade deal going into place. And we know when the trade deal, if it gets done, there's going to be a lot of noise and ballyhoo from the administration and other people about what this is going to do for agriculture. And I think it will be supportive, maybe more so in the meat space than the crop space. But you could still see corn and ethanol go up. The trouble for soybeans is 
there's another major world producer out there, and I cannot see, personally, China walking away from some of these trade relationships they built over the last year and a half with places like Brazil, Argentina, the Ukraine, and Russia. Todd Hubbs, an ag economist from the University of Illinois. Now, an overnight electronic trade right now, December corn's up a penny and a quarter at 383. March corn's up a half at 392 and a quarter. November beans are unchanged, 921 and three quarters. January also unchanged, 934 and a quarter. December wheat's up a penny at 516 and a quarter. July new crop up a penny and a quarter at 530 and a quarter. Yesterday in Chicago, the barrel cheese finished on Tuesday up three and a half cents at two thirty-seven and a half. Forty-pound black cheese down another quarter at two fifteen and three quarters. Double A butter was unchanged. Coming up next, it was more drama down at the state capitol. Brad Paff does not get the endorsement from the Senate. He is not going to be our Wisconsin Ag Secretary. Josh Scramlin joins me with more next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help in identifying suspects involved in a violent weapons incident at West Town Mall. On October 22nd at 3.44 p.m., officers were dispatched to the food court for a fight involving a person with a gun. Surveillance images of the food court entrance show a suspect grabbing an innocent bystander to use as a human shield to keep a gunman away. Another image shows a gun being pointed at the unarmed suspect's head. The suspects flood the area in two separate vehicles before officers arrived on scene. The involved suspects appear to be black Black males ranging in ages between their early 20s and early 30s. The involved vehicles appear to be a red mid-sized SUV, possibly a Mitsubishi Outlander, and a dark-colored sedan. Surveillance images of the altercation can be viewed on Madison Area Crime Stoppers' Facebook page. If you have any information regarding the identity of these suspects or information regarding this incident, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Just mow it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, we're continuing team coverage this morning on the story that developed yesterday down at the state capitol. Wisconsin Ag Secretary-designee Brad Paff does not receive the support that a lot of Wisconsin agriculture had expected. Josh Scramlin joins us this morning with uh, two different looks at how the issue was resolved yesterday at the State House. Josh? If we weren't there enough already, it's pretty safe to say that Wisconsin Ag is in uncharted territory. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin, and in a 14 to 19 vote, the Wisconsin Senate did not confirm Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade and Consumer Protection Secretary Designee Brad Paff. A LaCrosse County native, Paff was appointed by Governor Tony Evers and began his duties in January. But yesterday, the Wisconsin Senate voted to assess 
essentially fire Secretary-designee Path from his position. We are getting reaction from those in ag groups around Wisconsin, as well as one of the state senators that voted no to Path. I will speak with Senator Howard Markline in just a few moments. But first on the phone with a reaction, I have Bobby Wilson, a government relations associate with the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. How are you guys at Wisconsin Farmers Union feeling about all of this? Well, we are deeply disappointed in the decision that was made. Uh, Brad Paff was well qualified to head the department. He had the support of the ag community behind him. And just a few months ago, he had the support of at least five of the legislators who denied his confirmation this afternoon. Uh, So we are surprised by this decision and deeply disappointed in the result. What are you guys hearing from the members of the Wisconsin Farmers Union? What are they saying to you? We are hearing that uh, that they are disappointed that um, that this issue was made so um, partisan when really it shouldn't have been a partisan decision. Uh, Brad Paff was doing his job when he stood up for farmers and for farmer mental mental health. Um, he was standing up for farmers and rural communities when he decided to move the livestock siding rules forward to public comment. And he was essentially denied his confirmation because he was standing up for the people that he was appointed to stand up for. So we're hearing a lot of disappointment uh, about this decision from our members. Thank you for that. And then as we start to wrap up, what do you guys see is happening next uh, through all of this? Uh, through all of this, we um, we hope that we have a strong leader uh, appointed to head the department. Um, it's unfortunate that we are at this point of having to go back to square one of appointing a new ag secretary um, only 10 months into this administration. But we hope that, um, that there will be a, a strong leader appointed to head the department. Um, and while we know that we can't undo the decision that was made by the legislature today, uh, we can still salvage a high priority issue for us that was centered in the process. And that's moving forward the livestock siding rules that were pulled from the DATCAP agenda last Friday. All right. Thank you so much for that. That is Bobby Wilson on the phone. She is a government relations associate with the Wisconsin Farmers Union. And now joining me on the phone is Senator Howard Markline. And he is one of the Wisconsin politicians that had a say in whether or not PAF was confirmed. He ultimately voted no on PAF's confirmation. Now, Senator, you issued a statement, and that's on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. You said, quote, I have been very disappointed in Mr. PAF's politicization of DATCAP. If you wouldn't mind, could you maybe just explain to me and all the listeners how exactly you think that PATH politicized DATCAP? Well, I think it started probably during during the summer. Uh, the, the first uh, recollection that I have is, is when he, uh, you know, attacked uh, the uh, Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee for not um, taking up um, the uh, the mental health thing, and that was, you know, that was a setup. You know, we got that uh, late on uh, on a Monday. And then they wanted to know why we didn't act on it the next day. Well, there's there's notice requirements that we have to meet, and we ended up we we knew everybody knew we were going to be passing that uh, anyway. So which we did. So uh, anyway, that was the first thing. The other thing I think that I recall was when there was a legislator who requested uh, information from the Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection regarding farmer suicides. Now, legislator did not get that information, uh, and after repeated requests for that information, <clears throat> he went to a a, a, a media uh, event, and the media had provided all of that information, and that's just not um, that's just not right. <clears throat> a legislator, when they make requests like that, ought to be uh, able to get that information, and and um, you know the media shouldn't be given uh, inside access to that uh, before the legislator gets it. 
And then the other thing was on the, the dad cap siding thing. I think, you know, that was pulled last week. That rule was pulled, but I, I think that was on a kind of a, a track there that uh, would have um, ended up potentially in a, in a bad result for uh, the, the farmers in, at least in my area. So uh, that was a concern too. And that rule ended up getting pulled last Friday, but uh, you know, that was, that was also very concerning. When exactly did you decide that you were going to vote no on PATH? Well, I think, you know, as, as the, the uh, uh, over the, probably over the weekend and, and just recently, you know, that when the notice came out that uh, we're going to be acting on that confirmation, um, you know, um, you know, we had to decide kind of where we're going to be at. So, and give me time to reflect on kind of the history. The and what concerns me is the politicization of the of the of the position. You know, <clears throat> um, agriculture has always been one of those bipartisan areas where it didn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat when it came to agriculture. You know, we were always uh, always on the same page, and I, I certainly hope that. Uh, you know, we can get to that again in the future. Yeah, and going off of that, do you think that PATH essentially getting fired as the head of DATCAP by the state Senate is what's best for Wisconsin ag going forward? I think so, because I think it would have been difficult for <clears throat> the ag secretary to get anything done when he has kind of thrown gas on a lot of the the flames, you know, and, uh, and we need people to, to work with, not, not against. And uh, I think... Uh, yeah, we need somebody that we can all trust and, and uh, to get things done for our farmers. For people that are angry or confused with this situation, what would you have to say to them? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are are happy too. You know, <clears throat> um, you know, if people are upset about this, uh, and and there may, may may be some. I don't think they they understand um, how political um, Brad Path made made, made his uh, position. And that's unfortunate. That wasn't anything I did. That was something that he did. So um, this isn't, you know, anything that we did. He he did uh, he did this to himself. What type of statement do you think it made when Governor Evers came onto the Senate floor today? Because just looking at it from a historical context, it's it's kind of rare or unusual that a governor makes an appearance at hearings as such. Correct? I have never seen a governor sit in on a Senate floor session. So I don't know what you know. He's sat there for for a long time. I don't know what you know. Um, wh- why he did that or whatever, but uh, but he was here. Yeah, I, I saw him there. And then uh, before I let you go, next steps to getting a DAT cap head, and what are you looking for in the next head of DAT cap? Well, we'll go through the. I'm sure the governor is going to be nominating another person. Hopefully, it's somebody who uh, is. Um, you know, everybody's going to be partisan to some extent, but hopefully, uh, they don't uh, throw bombs and uh, somebody we can work with, somebody we can trust, and and work closely with uh, as a legislature.